Nehemiah chapter 9. I have just thoroughly enjoyed the journey through this book so far. And what a blessing the Bible is. Hope it is to your life. Nehemiah chapter 9, we're in verse number 4. We'll read three verses tonight. Nehemiah 9 verse 4, the Bible says, Then stood up upon the stairs of the Levites, Jeshua and Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Chenina, Chenani. You say, those are weird names. I've heard weirder. And that's not even a word. (laughs) And cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. Then the Levites... Jeshua and Cadmiel, Bani, Hashabniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. So here we go again in chapter 9. If you remember in chapter 8 and the revival that broke out there, They're greatly saddened, and they're crying, and they're weeping, they're mourning. And then that immediately turns into joy, and to great mirth, and to gladness, and to feasting, and to rejoicing. And then in chapter 9, the first three verses that we saw last time together, they're back on their face, and they're fasting, and they are clothing themselves with sackcloth and earth on, upon their heads and they're confessing their sins and they're overwhelmed with their iniquities. And now we're going to go back into the praise part. You say, well, how odd. Well, that's the way the Christian life's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that way. It's, it doesn't mean that there is some type of issue that they have, it's normal. We're supposed to be filled with seriousness and and sadness over sin. We are supposed to cry and weep over our iniquity and the iniquities of others and the way things are, but at the same time we're to turn around and rejoice and give praise. And it's just a continual cycle. And that's that, that doesn't mean that, that there's, they're not supposed to both be in your life. And if you ever get overboard on one of them, you're not where you need to be. You, you've got to continue that, you see. You've got to continue that feasting and fasting. It's, it has to go together. You've got to continue the, the weeping and confession with the rejoicing and the praise. It looks crazy for a man to be so mad and then to be happy, and, you know, within an hour or within 15 minutes. <laughs> somebody's unstable that goes through those type of emotions. But but, but you see, that, that's the way the Christian life is as well. I mean, there are deep valleys of sadness, but there are great 
heights of joy. And, and that's just the way life is. And one doesn't overwhelm the other. It should not, as Jesus was that man of sorrows, but he had great joy that was set before him. And here, I'm glad that they go from the confession of sin all those many hours and hours. And I know that was a heavy message that we had last time. Hours upon hours of confession. But then we come to verse 4. Then stood up upon the stairs. I want to talk about these men that are on the stairs for a little while. And I want you to think about that. It didn't just say that then stood up some of these Levites and they cried to God. It doesn't say that. It said they stood up upon the stairs. When I think of stairs, I think of somebody climbing somewhere. I think of someone going from a bottom situation to a top situation. That's exactly what's happening here. Because the Bible lets us know in these first three verses as they are confessing their sins and they're overwhelmed with their fasting and sackcloth, evidently they're going to to have to rise up from that place of discouragement or rise up from that place of sinfulness or rise up from that place of confession. And while after they've done all this hours of confessing, finally there are eight guys that say, say, we need to get up from this place. Are you with me? We need, we, we, we've been down here long enough. Now let's go up the stairs. You, you see that principle? We, we stayed in this valley sufficiently. We've cried sufficiently. Let's get up on those stairs and get to the top in a high place and start calling upon God. And that's what they did. The Bible said, with a loud, and they cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. Which shows their great confidence, you see. Verse number four, then stood up upon the stairs. After their confession, I'd say this, you can't get up on the stairs with God and cry out to God with confidence until you've been to that place of confession, you see. That's what we saw this morning. God wants us to have confidence, but we, we can only have that confidence when we get that sin and rebellion out of our life and that, that doubt and fear out of our life. Then, after they made that trip to the altar, then, after they, they've been to the church house and they've read the book in the, of the law of the Lord and, and they've spent the time at church, they're climbing up on the stairs because they're not going to let anything get in the way and stop them from being where they need to be with God. The Bible says, then stood up, that place up, People are down enough. Somebody needs to get on the stairs. And God has, has the stairs. And God has the place to uplift our spirits and uplift our hearts and up, uplift our thinking and uplift our minds. He can get us from where our minds are and He can put it on, on things above. And he can, he can put it on things that when you think about uh, that are lovely and are pure and of good report. He can get us off from the low place and put us on the higher place. And I'd say this to you, we need to rise above it all. We've got to rise above it all. You know, in in this hour, you, you better be able to get up on the stairs 
in a day that which we live in because everybody's down in the basement. The morality is in the basement. The discouragement, the depression, it's all in the basement. And it's all, it's all right to make a trip down there if you'll deposit your sins down there, but then get it back up on the stairs. And my question is, what are you, what are you letting stop you from climbing the stairs in your Christian life. I mean, you know what I believe is going to happen? And I know it happens. It happens all the time. God tries to do something in our life and move us higher. You know, I'm pressing on the upward way, right? New heights. I'm gaining. Do we sing that and it's not a reality at all? Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, lead me on to what? Higher ground. Lord, I want to get high. I want to get closer to you. But there are things the devil does that, and we allow to be done to us that throws obstacles in our way to keep us off the stairs. And if you're not careful, what will happen is there'll be something that'll come into your life or come across your path. You're not going, you won't rise above and you won't get the blessing that's in the rest of this chapter. We see that at mission conference a lot of times. Somebody gets a curveball thrown and they, they just can't rise above X. Right? But these eight men, just eight of them, they're all down there. They got dirt on their heads. They've got earth on them. And they said, you know what? We're going to get off. We're going to get up from this place where the dirt is and where the the, the low living is and where the low heart is and we're going to get up on the stairs with God. And the Bible said in verse number four, they cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. Now, I don't know what they cried to God about. I, I don't know what they said, but I know they're talking to God. And evidently, they've got some victory in their lives because what they cry out to God, then they start talking to others about. And they're not talking about the awfulness of their sin. They're talking about the greatness of their God. So I think whatever they're crying out to God, it's got to be some pretty loud, I would think, prayers and praise and thanksgiving. Again, I don't know what they cried out to God about. But these people in verse number 4, they are not discouraged. These people in verse number 4, they've got up on the stairs in their life and they've got to a place of higher ground And they found help. And when they find help, this is what they do. Then they command others to join in with them. You know, you know, it'd be one thing if eight guys are up there praising God and they're up on the stairs and that. But you know what? They're not content with that. They want everybody to get up there with them. Look at your Bible, verse number five. Then, then, that is after they got victory, after they got up on the stairs, after they were crying out with a loud voice to their God, then the Levites, and he names eight again, you've got two replacements, and I don't really know what that's about, but I'm sure there's something there that we'll find out about later in heaven. But, but, but six of these guys, the same guys, Jeshua and Cadmiel, Bani, Hashab, Naya, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethi said, said, stand up. Now, you don't tell people that, to stand up that aren't, that are already standing. That's, you see why I'm talking about these men on the stairs? They are from a low point. They stood up upon the stairs. That means they were down and they're telling others to stand up. 
Because they're not in an upright position. They're either in a sitting position or they're in a just on their face position. They said, stand up. Y'all join us up here. It's good up here. You know, if you're not careful, you know what people do? Misery loves company, they say. A lot of times everybody says, let's just stay down here. Why don't somebody say, come up here and get up on the stairs with me? These eight guys... They're up, there, they're up here up on the stairs and they're saying, hey, come, stand up, stand up. Don't, don't stay down there where you are, stand up. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Watch this now. And blessed be thy glorious name. And now they start talking to God. You can't tell when these eight men are talking to the people and when they're talking to God. Well, you can tell, but you've got to look at the context. It doesn't say. They go from talking to the people to start talking to God. Wouldn't that be great that's the way we were? That our conversation would go this way and then go that way? And I'd say this. We're not ready to help anybody. Listen, listen, listen. We're not ready to help anybody get up off the floor where they are until we've gotten up on the stairs ourselves. Does that make sense? And we're also not ready to help anybody get up on the stairs with us and stand up. If we're not in that place of prayer where we're talking to God, listen, listen, listen. They talk to God long before they talk to the people. They're crying out to God in the previous verse before they're crying out to the people. What would be great for us if we would cry out to God so and we'd have such a relationship with the Lord in our own life that then we we would be able to help others. Stand up. When you get help, you can encourage other people to join in. By the way, that's such a good motivation to get help from God. That's such a good motivation to press on the upward way and gain new heights and and get higher ground in in your personal life and in your spiritual life so that you can help someone else get up there too. You're not going to be able to encourage someone if you've not had those victories in your life. So they say, then, then they say, stand up. Now watch this. What do they tell them to do? Stand up, verse 5, and bless the Lord your God. You need, you need, you need to bless the Lord. You, okay, you've been thinking about your sins. You've been thinking for three hours. You've been mulling over your life and your shortcomings. Now he said, I want you to bless the Lord. Stand up and bless the Lord. Regardless of how you feel. We talked about feelings this morning. We talked about the perils of your feelings this morning. You know, guys, if you only praise God when you feel like it, you're not going to praise Him very often. Or you're not going to praise Him often enough. Again, our hearts are deceitful. They're desperately. They don't want to pray. Our hearts, our feelings, I don't feel like it. But aren't you so tired of hearing that, you know? I don't feel like it. Kids just say, I don't feel like it. Well, so what? Since when do we live by our feelings? So many things. And I don't feel like praying. Stand up and bless the Lord. He didn't say, now if, if, it, if God moves on you, stand up and bless the Lord. He didn't say that. He didn't say if you feel like it, stand up and bless the Lord. He didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, if you got everything right in your life, then stand up and bless the Lord. He didn't say that. He said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. 
Doesn't matter what you feel like it. Why? Because He's worthy of it. And you need to praise Him. And you need to never stop praising Him. Have you thought about that phrase? Look at it. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. That's a long time. Now that, that hardly doesn't even make sense to a, if you're just reading as a natural man because how can you keep blessing the Lord your God forever and ever when you're, when you're going to die? He didn't say stand up and bless the Lord as long as you live. He said stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. That means that it's possible to do it. You know why? I'm going to be somewhere forever. And I want my forever to be occupied with blessing the name of the Lord my God. I I don't want to stop. I don't want it to stop in life. And I don't want it to stop in eternity. And this is what the devil, the devil will work over time to get you to stop blessing the Lord. He hates God so much he'll do anything for you to quit being a blessing to God. He doesn't want your life to be a blessing to God. He doesn't want you to put a smile on God's face. And He's so smart and He's so tricky. He'll use every little device to get you not to bless the Lord, but to grieve the Lord. But just don't quit. Just stand up and bless the Lord. You say, well, my life's a mess. Well, their lives were a mess. You say, well, I'm pulling my hair out. Well, Nehemiah's going to pull their hair out. But he said, stand up and bless the Lord. You know that'll help you. Again, we don't. I don't feel like it. It don't matter. It'll do you good. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Don't let yourself stop you from praising him. Don't let others, that, that, that's why I, I get so, I get so grieved when I watch people let others stop their Christian life. No, stand up and bless the Lord, you're God forever and ever. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day. Doesn't matter if your country's wrecked or you've got freedom. Doesn't matter if you've got health problems or personal problems or whatever. Just stand up and bless the Lord. And He'll receive it. And He'll appreciate it and it'll help you. We have a generation that does not know how to praise and bless the Lord. Amen. I I, I think God likes a loud noise. Now I know people don't. Well, that's not necessarily true. The same people that hate loud noises scream at people. <laughs> the same people that don't like loud noises go to football games. And go to the big IMAX. 4,000 speakers in the theater. The people don't like loud preaching go to rock concerts. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Well, people don't want to stand up and bless the Lord anyway. It's crazy not to stand up and bless the Lord. He's the only one that's right. 
He's the only one that's really good. He's the only perfect one and just one. He's the only glorious one and the sinless one. Why would we not? How could we keep ourselves from standing up and blessing the Lord? Well, we let something stop us. We let our murmuring. We, 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 we can't stand up and bless the Lord while we're murmuring. You can't do that at the same time. You can't have bitter water and sweet water come out of the same mouth. We let our hardships stop us from blessing the Lord our God forever and ever. We let our grief stop us. There is a lesson here. These people are just like you. They have broken lives and broken families and sins over top of their heads. And yet God is wanting to do a work in their souls and in their lives. And as he does it, he wants them to stand up and bless his holy name. And somebody is a catalyst to that and said, boy, y'all need to get up and praise him. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And then they just break out and start praising him. Whether the people do, they, they, now I don't know if it's just these eight guys that are doing it. I don't know if all the rest of the congregation joins in, but I like this, I like this praise. I want you to examine and look at the, the blessing and the praise of our God that's in these words. Because here's, here's the deal. One of the reasons we don't stand up and bless the Lord because we don't have anything to bless Him about. Or at least we think we don't. We're not occupied with the things that are occupied. Our minds that would make us stand up and bless the Lord. So what causes them to stand up and bless the Lord? Look at it. It says, the Bible says this. It says, uh, and blessed be thy glorious name. The first thing they stand up and bless the Lord about is about his name. (laughs) They said, God, you've got a name like nobody's name. Your name is so holy that our scribes have to stop and put their pens down before they write it in the Bible. Your name is so powerful that that name led us out of Egypt. You're the I am that I am. Nobody's got a name like you. I'm just going to stand up and bless you because you've got a name that's unlike any other name. It's a unique name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You're the only name that can save people. We're going to stand up and bless the name of the Lord because you've got a name that is so high. But this is what I like. This is so unusual. Look look at how the Bible's written. Blessed be thy glorious name. Watch it, watch it. Which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Do you know what they say? They say, we're going to praise your name, but your name is greater than our praise. Your name is greater than our adoration of you. In other words, we can't even get to the very bottom of, of the top of the glories of your name. We're doing all this, but your name is so much better than our praise. Boy, that's that's rich. Wouldn't it be good if we would praise God, not because of the richness of our praise, but because of the richness of His name? There's no other name like His. It's not just a unique name, it's a powerful name. 
It's a powerful name. That powerful name, the Bible says, if you'll call upon that name, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? You can call on Muhammad, it won't help you. You can call on the Pope, it won't help you. You can call mom and dad. But you call on that name, there's power in that name. They came to Peter and they said, Hey, we need help from God. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the power that is in that name got that guy up on his feet. He started leaping and praising God. Why? Because of one name. <laughs> the power of the name of... Why should we stand up and bless the Lord? Because of the power of that name that saved us. We are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're sanctified. We're redeemed because of His name. What power is in that name? They walked along the shores and started doing work for God. And they started meeting people full of the devil. Devil possessed people. Paul would turn to them and say, In the name of Jesus Christ... Come out of them. There they go. (laughs) Guys, that's some power. I mean, they didn't do some hocus pocus. They They didn't find a pharmacist. They didn't beat the guy up. They just said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. There they go. The devils flee from that name. Boy, we ought to love that name. What a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Reaching higher far than the brightest. Sweeter than the song they sing. What a lovely name. Stand up, bless the Lord. Lord, you've got a wonderful name. It's a powerful name. It's a name through which I receive salvation. It's a name that's so powerful, I can use it to rebuke Satan himself. When Michael the archangel disputed with with the devil, he disputed with Satan there over the body of Moses. He didn't get in a big tussle with the devil, though he was an archangel. He just said, I got a name. I'm going to tell you somebody's name, and when I tell you the name, you're going to run. And he did. He said, the Lord rebuked thee, and off he goes. The Bible tells you and I, resist the devil and he'll flee from it. That's not in our power. That's in the name of the Lord. So don't you think because that name's got so much power and that's so, we ought to stand up and just bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I know the name of Jesus. You know, some people have never even heard the name of Jesus. You know his name. You know the name of the Lord. Why don't you stand up and bless it? It's not only a powerful name and a unique name. It's a name that you ought to adopt for yourself. It's a name that you ought to put on yourself. Everyone that nameth the name of Christ, what a privilege we get to be called by His name. We ought to adopt His name. We ought to follow that name. We baptize in that name. We baptize in the name of the triune God. We preach in that name. We meet in His name. We pray in His name. The book says even do all in the name. I'd say we've got something to stand up and bless the Lord. we got a name. we got a name that many have hazarded their lives for that name. 
Paul said he was ready to die for the name. You know, that's what a lot of those communists and Muslims, all that, they, they try to get them to renounce the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is so wonderful, we ought to be willing to die for him. They burned people at the stake because they wouldn't, they wouldn't turn their back upon the name of the Lord. Stand up and bless the Lord. Why? Just He's got a wonderful name. At that name, every knee is going to bow. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Things in heaven of things in earth, even if it's under the earth. Doesn't even matter if it's people. He just said things. Everything. Is, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is going to confess that name. Stand up and bless the Lord your God. What do we do? Blessed be thy glorious name. You know as great as the name of God is. You know what's amazing to me? I have to, you have to turn here because people wouldn't believe this. But in Psalm 138 there is a. Unique little verse there. You know, as great as the name of God is, the greatest name in the universe, such power in it. It's a name that saves our soul, that translates us from hell to heaven. What a name. It's the name that everyone will bow down to and confess. It's an exalted name, that's what I'm saying. We ought to stand up and bless the name of the Lord. If you don't have anything else to bless the Lord, just bless Him for His name. But with all we said about the name of the Lord, look at Psalm 138. He said, verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Is that not amazing? As great and as mighty and as powerful as the name of God is and as sweet as it is and how much we ought to praise that name and pray in that name and do all in that name. He said his word is even above his name. He put it there. You know why? Because if it isn't for this book, we wouldn't even know anything about the name. Four Psalms has some great praises. You're right there in 130. Look at 113. Psalm 113, look at verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. God says, from when the sun gets up to go, goes down at night, people ought to be praising my name. Mm. wonder how much we fail in that church to just stand up and bless the name of the Lord. He said in Psalm chapter 7, verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. If you can't praise him for anything else, you can praise him according to his righteousness, and that he has a wonderful name. But you know, our text doesn't stop there at Nehemiah. They can stand up and bless the Lord because of, of his name, but not just only that. Would you go back to our text in Nehemiah chapter 9? He said at the end of verse 5, Blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou, 
art Lord alone. He blesses the Lord and praises God, not just for His namesake, because His person. He said, God, Thou, Thou art Lord alone. Nobody's like You. No person is like You. You don't need anybody. You're Lord alone. You're Lord whether or not I'm here or not. You're God whether or not anybody follows you or anybody listens to you. You exist independently and you're independently sustained. You know what God said in Psalm 50? He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Isn't that something? You know why he says that? He said, because... All the cattle of the field are mine. All the beasts of the field. Everything belongs to me. In other words, you know what God's saying? God's saying, look, I don't don't need any of you people. I'm the Lord alone. I'm God all by myself. I was God before there was a person. And I'll be God if all of you die. And if none of you care, I'm the Lord alone. We ought to bless the Lord because because of His person. He's holy without us. He's almighty without us. He doesn't need anything. (laughs) So many times our praise is so hollow. Now, it's all right to get to praising Him and thanking Him for what He's done for you. I think we're going to get to that in just a minute. I think you all do that. But what's wrong with just praising Him for who He is? God, you're, you're just a great God. Beside thee, there's none else. God, you're not like my boyfriend and you're not like my girlfriend or my husband or my wife or my children or my friends or the people I work with or all these ants on the planet here. God, you are glorious and great and I praise you for who you are. There's nothing too hard for thee. And you know everything. And you're everywhere at the same time. Just praise him for who he is. I think we lose sight of that. I think for some people that are saved, God's about that tall. And their problems are so high they can't see the top of them. Stand up and bless the Lord. Why? Because thou, even thou, art Lord alone. They're blessing him and praising him for his person. And then they continue. Look at verse 6 again. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made. So they start praising him for his works. You know, it would be one thing if God has such a powerful name and glorious name and if his person is so perfect. But he never did anything, but he's done plenty. Thou hast made. You made things. And God, the things you made are so great. We just want to stand up and bless the Lord. Well, what do you make? Thou hast made heaven. The heaven of heavens. You know what's one of the great sins of evolution? It takes the glory away from what God made. I mean, you're going to give credit to a cloud of dust going poof? Come on now. You you have got to be crippled too high for crutches to believe that. You look around and you think, oh, that's an accident? (laughs) You, you, need to, you need to go to a home where they can take care of you. 
That's not an accident out there. If the sun was just a little bit too close, we'd all burn up. A little bit too far away, we'd all freeze to death. Oh, what about all the planets out there? He didn't want to put anybody out there. And they can't figure that out. Why is this one so perfect? You would think by accident there'd be two, th- two or three more like ours. In a vast universe that you can't even get to the end of. So they make all the telescopes to find out and they keep seeing rocks out there. You know why? Because God made something really pretty here. He made the heavens. You know, <laughs> you ought to walk outside and stand up and bless the Lord and say, Lord, those clouds are real pretty today. You did a good job. I try to remind that myself riding down the road, Lord, that's some, that's some pretty green trees you made out there. You ever do that? God, that's a beautiful sunset you made. Bless the Lord. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, Lord. You're a wonderful God. I praise you for what you made. You made the heaven. And you made the heaven of heavens. With all their hosts. Lord, you made so many things that have so much detail that we're only now finding out about it. And we've got so many details out there that we'll, we'll never even find out until we get to heaven. All those stars and the comets and the asteroids and the planets. I mean, you got that one out there with all those rings around it? Got all those moons around it? God said, I did that. Somebody ought to look through the telescope and go. Pretty awesome, God. And if I got on a spaceship, I couldn't even get over there and see that. (laughs) God, you made things really well. Mars and Jupiter with a big eye and all the colors. It's beautiful. God made all that stuff. But he didn't make so we can get in the science book and say, all right, how many planets are they? He said, so you look at all those planets and say, glory to God, look what he made. He made that. (laughs) And if we ever quit singing and praising that, we've lost the wonder of who our God is. You know what we do? We look at the stuff that we make. You know what we make? We make a mess. Why don't we look at what God made and stand up and bless him? Thou hast made the heaven. Thou hast made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their hosts. He didn't stop there. Verse 6, the earth and all things that are therein. He made, he didn't just make a pretty heaven and, and the third heaven, he, or the second heaven. He made the earth. What a beautiful earth. He made all the waterfalls and all the grand canyons and everything that's in the earth. He made all the, the deer running out in the field. And all the weird animals. Those armadillos. Where did they come from? To Alabama. He made all that weird stuff. I don't know how many animals there are. There's so many animals I can't count them. And a bunch of them have gone extinct. And I don't even care about it because I know God, if he didn't like it, he'd just let them go extinct. God could make new ones if he wanted to. He made all those animals individually. And man, man is infatuated with the animal instead of the God that made the animal. 
stand up and bless the Lord because he made the earth. When's the last time you, you just started praising the Lord, thank you for making the earth. Hey, I'm glad I'm not floating out in space somewhere. God, it didn't have to be this way. He made a beautiful planet. Not for himself. He was fine alone. He made a beautiful planet for you and me. So we would have a blue sky and green grass and white clouds. And a rainbow and a sunset. My God did that. You ought to just bless him for that. We drive down the road and we just can't. I remember driving through Switzerland. We were coming, had to get out of Greece real quick and get somebody a permit for, to be able to stay in, our, in mission work. He was actually our translator and he was in the car with me. We, he had, he's from Australia. He'd never been outside of anywhere. We'd start driving through the mountains of Switzerland. Guys, I'm telling you, this guy went crazy in the car. It is unbelievable. We're driving through the mountains of Switzerland, and that old boy sitting in my car, this guy's from way down under in Australia. He never seen, he never seen anything like this in all his life. And he starts shouting, Whoo! Glory to pull over, let me run. He never seen anything like that in his life. Just praising God. And many times we see so many beauties of our we never bless the Lord over it. We're so discouraged we come out and kick the cat and yell at the dog and <laughs> slam the car door and complain about driving down a paved road <laughs> with the air conditioned in the and we can't even see the beautiful red cardinal and the blue bird on the tree. God, you made all that so beautiful. I can't make anything. But I know a man who can. Lord, we're going to bless you for what you made. You made the heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein. He doesn't stop there. You see, here's what we do. We just say, Lord, I bless you for everything you made. How about getting specific? You know what you ladies like to hear? You you, You don't want your husband to say, I appreciate you. And that covers everything I appreciate about you. Is that acceptable? No, honey, I appreciate the meal. The meal was good. You don't want to just give and say, I thank you for everything you do, and that's enough. No, you, you like it to be specific. And as dumb men, we don't do a very good job of that. That's right. That's exactly right. And as Christians, we don't do a very good job of that. Lord, thank you for everything you've done. Why don't you talk to him about what he did with the seas? You ever been out on the sea? You ever been out in the ocean? You ever been out on the lake? You ever looked at the things that God... He says he made the seas and all that is therein. All those beautiful dolphins. All all that great sea life. He made all of that. Lord, what a great ocean you made. You didn't just make, you made the Atlantic and the Pacific and all that. And you made, you made fresh water and salt water and the great lakes and the streams and the rivers. Lord, I bless your name for what you made. 
You gave us water to drink. You could have put us on a barren land. The majority of the earth is water. It's not land. Because we need the water. God thought about that too. You ever, you ever thanked him for your water? Oh, we just go to the tap and say, well, the water's supposed to be there. And if it ain't in there, bless God, I'm going to complain about it. What's wrong with the water town? Why can't they get the water going? Hey, they didn't make the water. God made the water. Amen. Instead of thinking, amen, Huntsville Utilities or Athens Utilities, you ought to say, thank you, God, for making the water. Thank you for making the seas. Amen. I wonder when the last time somebody told God they thanked Him for making the water. No, we're still down on there on the ground, you see. We've not got up on the stairs yet and looked around. Lord, you did a really good job. You know, you read that book of Genesis and every time God made something, it was good. Everything God makes is good. And that's why I know whatever He makes in my life will be good. And He has made something in my life. He's made me a new creature. We can bless the Lord for what he's made, but he doesn't stop there. Verse 6 says, Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein. Watch it, watch it. And thou preservest them all. You know, it's one thing if you make it and then it all dies. Guys, we make houses, but you know what? Those houses are going to decay and they're going to... If, if time goes long enough, everything we make, we can't, we can't keep it that way. Right. Everything man makes, you buy a refrigerator, see how long it lasts. Yeah. Amen. Because whatever man makes, he can't, he can't keep it that way. Right. It looks beautiful when you bring it home. Right? The air condition, oh, it cools fine today. Yeah. The car is beautiful and smells good. Yeah, today... It's one thing for, for somebody to make something for, or do something well, but to preserve it and make sure it continues that way, unvarnished and unblemished and continue to work. Now that's a feat. They praise God for not just what He made, but that He preserved it. The book says in Colossians chapter 1 about the Lord Jesus Christ, He created all things. But it says, by Him all things consist. He said in Hebrews chapter 1, listen, listen. He upholds all things by the word of His power. That's a beautiful sun out there. That's a beautiful moon in the sky. Those are beautiful seas that He made. This is a beautiful creation that He's, that he's accomplished. But He has to keep it. He has to hold it together. And for 6,000 years, God's held it all together. He not only made it, he preserved it. It'd be one thing if God made all these animals and then they all died. He made all the fish. In, if I made all the fish in the sea, they'd be dead in about a week. God made them and they produce and they keep. And for thousands and thousands of years, guys, we're not going to run out of fish. People are crazy. They think they're smarter than God. God preserves the sea. 
Oh, the ice caps and the polar bears. And God keeps His creation. You can't do that. You can't even keep your addictions in check. Let alone keep the earth in check. What a joke. The more I live, the more I see man as a joke. But you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to stand up and bless the Lord. Where was man... 4,000 years ago when God was making certain the gravitational pull of the earth was just perfect and the sun stayed in its place. Yeah, God says, son, you stay right there. Son says, yes, sir. Sometimes these people crack me up, you know, they say, an asteroid is going to hit the earth and then we'll have Armageddon. How far away is it? Oh, just a few million miles away from the earth or whatever. Can you see God up in heaven? Is it going to hit it? It's a joke. God says, asteroid, you're not going to go there. If God wants this planet done, it's done. And when he gets ready, it will be done. But until then, we ought to stand up and bless the Lord that he knows how to preserve it. He also knows how to preserve not just the creation. He knows how to preserve his word. Amen. And he not only knows how to preserve his word, he knows how to preserve you. Amen. If you're saved, you are kept by the power of God. Unto salvation. He not only can do a great work of creation in your heart and save you, but He can preserve you, amen, unto His kingdom. What a God we have that can not only make things, but preserve things. I believe He can keep your mind. I believe He can keep your heart. I believe He can uphold all the things in your life that are crumbling and falling. Stand up and bless the Lord. I'm finished. The last phrase of verse number 6. They praise Him for His name, for His person, for His works. Then they say this. End of verse 6. And the host of heaven worshipeth Thee. Worshipeth Thee. They praise Him because all of heaven worships the Lord. And they say, well, if, if the host of heaven worships you, then you're worthy of my praise. If it's good enough for the angels to praise your name round about your throne without end. If it's good enough for the seraphim with their six wings as they fly and they say holy, holy, holy. And they rest not day or night but they praise your name and they worship you. They worship your holiness. If it's good enough for the seraphim. If it's good enough for the cherub that cover and attend your glory, those cherubim that pick up your throne and move around. If it's good enough for the cherubim, if it's good enough for the seraphim, if it's good enough for the angels, if it's good enough for the host of heaven, then I think it ought to be good enough for me because I'm not as good as an angel and I'm not as powerful as a cherub. And I'm not as holy as a seraphim, but if they'll worship you day and night, then I ought to stand up and bless the Lord. You know, it's not just the heavenly host that praises God. All creation is going to do that. Do you remember what Jesus said to those Pharisees that wouldn't praise him and they started scolding all those kids that were praising? I said they were scolding the kids that were praising. 
the kids had better sense than their parents. They were running around saying, Hosanna, whoo, glory be to God. You know why they had no fear of pretension? Innocent. Whoo, the king's here, running up and down. And those self-righteous Jews had it right there. Letting these kids screaming harder. You need to stop them. Jesus said, if they stop, the rocks will start crying. You said, I didn't know rocks had mouths. If God wants them to have a mouth, they'll have a mouth. Matter of fact, they also have ears. Well, that's another message. I don't want to chase that rabbit hole. But the end of Joshua, the last chapter of Joshua, you know what Joshua said? Joshua put a stone there and he said, that stone has heard your words. And it will wit- it'll be a witness. It'll testify. The stone, it heard you and it'll talk back to you. You say, God can make a stone. Look, you know what? Man thinks he's so smart. He's got all these hard drives and all this stuff that, that records things and saves things. You know what? He, I started studying some of that out. I'm, I'm not smart enough to study all that out. But you know a hard drive, an HDD, is, is made out of ferromagnetic material. You know what it's made out of? It's made out of magnetic rocks that store sound. Silicon Valley. You know what silicon? Silicon's in rocks. And those are the devices that we use to store all this, all this audio and save all this. You know what God says? God says, I can have the rock outside your house. Remember what you said and testify against you if I want. And matter of fact, if you won't praise me, these rocks will start crying out. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8? That the whole creation, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth until now, waiting for the adoption. The whole creation, the birds and the animals and the fish and the trees, they're in pain waiting for Jesus to come. I think when they come, I think they're going to shout. I think the rocks will cry out. I think the trees will start talking. You ought not think that's crazy. You watch Disney movies. All these little birds, you know, helping Cinderella and... You know, I think when Jesus comes back, you know, the lion's going to lay down, the lion's going to lay down the lamb and all that. I wouldn't be surprised if all the birds got together and just bowed to Jesus and started tweeting, "Jesus is Lord." <laughs> you said you don't, you don't know it's going to happen. You don't know it's not. You think I'm out of the Bible? I got to finish with this. Look at Psalm 148. Tell me, tell me, I'm out of the Bible. Well, I think you you think twice about how weak your praise is. Amen. If you saw a bear saying, glory to God. (laughs) Amen. One that doesn't even have the feelings that you have or the heart you have or the consciousness that you have. But they've got sense to praise God. You think I'm off base? Maybe. Maybe I'm off base. I don't know. But if I am, you tell me what this means. Amen. Psalm 148, the Bible says this. Verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him all His angels. Praise ye Him all His host. Praise ye Him sun and moon. Amen. You say, well, they'll praise Him by their life. <laughs> well, okay. I don't want to just praise Him by my life. I want to praise Him with my mouth. 
Most of all this praise that's mentioned is verbalized in the Bible. Praise ye Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. How can something inanimate praise God? Verse 4, praise Him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Verse 5, let them, watch it, praise the name of the Lord. How are they all going to praise the name of the Lord? For He commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Watch it. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons. Hey, dragons, start praising God. And all deeps. Look at verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and vapors. Stormy wind fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth. I don't want the angels to praise more better than me. You know why? They don't know what I've got. They don't know what it's like to be redeemed. They don't know what it's like to be forgiven. Shouldn't my praise be a little richer than the angels? Why should I let the creation praise God and exalt God more than than I should? You know what I think I need to do? I think I need to stand up and bless the Lord our God and climb a little higher on those stairs and give Him glory and do it forever and ever and quitting and stop the things that are trying to stop me from praying.